right, hello and welcome to this week's installment of the InfoSec Institute weekly uh, web video series. Uh, this week is another career track interview. Uh, we are talking to Elias Papatestas, uh, uh, Eli to his friends. Uh, we will be talking today about the career path to network administrator. So just tell you a little bit about our guest today. Uh, Eli has extensive history in the IT industry. He started in the 1980s learning how to program basic from computer magazines and building his first network between two machines with null modem cables. In college, Eli took summer IT jobs, then worked in the IT department for one of the largest stock brokerage firms, as well as banks working in a system and user administration. Eli then started to work as a consultant, then worked for a number of years providing training for telecommunications technicians, starting to work with IP-based networks and VoIP. With over 15 years' experience in corporate and professional training, Eli has experience with needs assessment, process documentation, help file development, e-learning, and traditional training course development. His experience uh, spans financial, government, telecommunication, and pharmaceutical industries. Eli has numerous IT certifications across system and network administration, as well as IT security. And again, today we are going to talk about the career path to network administrator. Uh, Eli, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Chris. Great. So uh, tell me a little bit about your background. It sounds like, uh, based on the bio there, that uh, networking computers has been your interest from the very beginning. So what drew you, drew you to the profession and the process of networking, and what keeps you excited about it? Well, I was a, a teenager sort of a, around the birth of the personal computing industry in the 80s, and both my parents were interested in computers, so I, I was also lucky enough to live in a, an area that uh, we had computers available in school, so I learned to program and tinker pretty young, and through that got interested in IT in general. Uh, probably, you know, when I went to college, I actually didn't think, when I went to college, there was computer science, but there really wasn't, you know, IT management or that type of fields, uh, because the industry was still fairly young. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't see myself as a mainframe programmer or mini computer programmer, and personal computing was still in its infancy, so you didn't see quite the level of PC usage and the, the requirement of having land, uh, network computers the way we did today. For example, one of, my, one of my early summer jobs, I was the inner office mail guy. I literally carried around envelopes, which right. would, you don't really have anymore because it's all via email now. Sure. So uh, probably the thing that drew me most to it was I loved learning new things. There was always something else to learn, some new skills, some new tricks, some new whatever, whether it was, you know, uh, breaking into the video games we played back then and making modifications to the, uh, the character files, or it was helping a business uh, do a mail merge, even, you know, was something that was interesting back then. So it was the, the, the curiosity that kept me in it. Interesting. So, uh, for th for those of us who are are the our viewers who are watching and are, you know, maybe just getting on the first couple rungs of the ladder, um, kind of give me uh, what what are the sort of steps from like basic network person, basic programmer up to network admin? What are sort of the major hurdles to clear to get to get to that that level? Well. A lot depends on the, the size of the organization, but usually the, the, the basic tasks would be basic troubleshooting the physical infrastructure of a network, whether it's, you know, I think I walked around with a, an RJ45 um, head cable crimper in my pocket for the first two or three years that I worked with the, uh, the diagram of the 568 A and B, uh, you know, wiring diagram with me. 
Right. So a lot of the introductory jobs are, is it plugged in? You know, are you doing basic installation, following a checklist, that type of thing, as far as managing devices or let's say you're replacing a piece of equipment, get a, getting a basic configuration onto that piece of equipment and then allowing someone else to download the full one or update stuff like that. So, uh, you know, a lot of it's checking stuff and then troubleshooting stuff is probably the, the first level, which might be like a network assistant or something like that. Okay. Moving up to network admin is when you're starting to deal more with making decisions about configurations or giving input to the decision-making process and uh, managing you know, the priority of the different tasks that might get done, you know, whether it's the, uh, you know, the moves, adds, and changes that you'll have on a regular basis or whether it's the planning for the future because you know there's the, some new implementation X number of months down the pipeline, for example. So, and then the other aspect is obviously troubleshooting, uh, frankly, dealing with both end users. Again, depending on the size of the organization, the network admin might be the person they call when, you know, the accounting computer can't get access to the uh, software, you know, um, and the there may may or may not be a separate system administrator compared to the network administrator. And then the other is obviously dealing with business requirements in terms of providing solutions to make sure that the business has the IT support and networking capabilities that they need. Okay, now do you work a lot with the sort of um, business and managerial uh, element or the C-suite or whatever, or is this, are you still basically working on sort of the nuts and bolts of keeping the system running? Or do you work on sort of decision-making as well as a network admin? So as a network admin, you're probably doing less of the C-suite type stuff. That's more becoming into like the network engineer position. Okay. Although again, the, the titles vary by company. You know, if you're working for a a small or medium business, you might be doing both. Where it might be everything. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, and and you know that's true of companies with you know up into the the tens or you know um, close to hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. Right. A lot depends on the size in terms of people as well as the t- size in terms of number of locations. Will kind of uh, dictate some of that type of stuff. But uh, yeah, as an admin, you you. Even if you're not an engineer and you're not, you know, doing the, the communication with the C-suite, you're still working to implement whatever business decisions might have been made. Uh, and hopefully you're focused on the, you know, not just, all right, we're getting this done, but the, the why. So you can pass suggestions back the other direction sometimes as well. Right. So you, there, there is a, 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 some, something of a managerial role in itself in, in that you're sort of dealing with the sort of... Uh, the boots on the ground people and making sure that they have the information or access that they need and things like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. In most, most organizations over, you know, let's say one location or, you know, 30 people, there's probably at least one assistant that you're going to direct in terms of, you know, doing triage versus planning versus troubleshooting, et cetera. Right. Uh, what would you say are some of the, uh, the most interesting parts of the job on a day to day? Uh, you know, for me, it's still the, wow, I had no idea aspect of it. You know, I've been working with and, and tinkering with different pieces of equipment. Um, one of the things I actually tell my students all the time is in, you know, 20 plus years in IT and now, you know, 12 plus primarily working, doing instruction, uh, I have yet to teach a class where I didn't learn something new, you know. Hmm. And same thing when I'm working with clients. The Obviously, the, the industry keeps changing, so... You know, while you need a, a basic grounding on the 
the standards that have been in existence for you know 30 years, you also need to understand some of the, the new ideas. So there's always some new change or feature that you may decide to implement, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's really the, uh, the part that's so interesting. What's, what's something surprising that you've discovered recently that uh, you might be able to share with us? Oh, geez. In terms of networking, uh, that's a tough one, Chris. Um, okay. I would say <clears throat> probably some of it's the, the, the changes in the defaults and um, the probably the, the biggest thing is the, the way that, you know, that uh, security is being handled. You know, probably one of the big changes you're seeing now is the expectation or requirement to have some form of uh, either security in terms of configurations or security in terms of transportation of data on the network. So, uh, you know, there's, there's always a business life cycle for equipment. You know, when I started in the, you know, sort of my regular corporate jobs in the late 90s, early 2000s, security wasn't really an issue, you know, and security has been more and more of an issue recently. But as you try to implement security, for example, providing for encryption of data that's being transmitted, it, you know, a lot of times equipment is sold like, yes, it supports encryption, but how many concurrent sessions, how much bandwidth, stuff like that. So the, uh, the difference between what's advertised and the true capabilities are always surprising. And I think as we've looked at uh, or we've talked to a number of people about their various uh, career paths and so forth, the one thing that sort of connects all of them is what you just said, which is basically it's not really possible to be sort of so sub-specialized that you don't see the outside world. If you're going to do networking, you have to have some knowledge of security. If you're going to do security, you should know how to you know, move the wires around and stuff like that. If you're going to do incident response, you should know how networks work and so forth. So, Absolutely. You know, and there's, there's no, I mean, even at large organizations that have a separate, you know, IT security, networking, and system admin, you have to be able to communicate between the groups because at the end of the day, unless you are working in a sort of managed service environment where your product is networking, um, you're supporting a business process. And you have to keep an eye on that as well. And, you know, at the very least, ask the questions or communicate with those other team members to make sure that you are meeting, you know, enabling those requirements as well. And that those other requirements are well designed, well written, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you find yourself promoted to the, the role of network administrator, uh, you make your, your way up, what day-to-day tasks will you leave behind from your sort of previous sort of uh, network working jobs and what skills would you need to acquire uh, on the job or in the moment? So probably the biggest thing, and, and I think this is common across a lot of industries, when you get, you know, as a, and as a network admin, like I said before, you're likely to have it, you know, maybe you have a, a small team. And usually if you're being promoted to an admin spot, it's because you came up from, you know, an assistant position or something like that, or network analyst or something along those lines. So usually if you are the large organization where you see that type of progression, you're going to be giving up a little bit more of the day-to-day, you know, this user can't connect to the internet, uh, you know, that type of thing, and get more into the planning aspect, working with the network engineer if there is one, or, like, you know, as we said, maybe potentially working, you know, more directly with the business requirements to implement and match those requirements so, that, you know, that you're, you're being more proactive than reactive is probably the biggest change, hopefully. And then... Uh, so the, probably the, the skills you need, once you get to admin, you, 
you're getting outside of just pure networking skills right. and pure IT skills, let's say. Now you have to get into the aspect of you know project management, team management, et cetera, communication. You know, it's it's really important that that the networking department doesn't get too siloed so that your voice is heard when decisions are being made, you know, and that's part of really, you know, as, uh, as an admin and or engineer, your, your goal is to be the voice for your department, really. So uh, once again, if, like I say, I feel like we're connecting all of these different career track videos, but everyone has said like the importance of communication is, is really important, written communication, spoken communication. Uh, so again, you know, for anyone who's considering this position and is, you know, just thinking that, you know, you just get to, you know, uh, move the networks around and, 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 you know, fiddle with things on a day-to-day basis. You still need to make your, you know, your theories understood to other people, both people beneath you and people above you. Absolutely. Especially as you progress higher up, you know, if you're a network analyst or a network assistant, it's not as big a deal, but once you get into being the engineer or the admin, you know, it is a, it is a business position, not just an IT position. Now, Eli, you're, uh, uh, you, you teach some classes with us here at InfoSec, and obviously uh, certifications are a big thing with our company. Um, what are some certifications that uh, aspirants should pursue on their path to becoming a network admin? What, what would be the sort of cert track, if any? So, you know, probably the, uh, the gold standard of network certifications is still Cisco CCNA routing and switching. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's well-respected. It has, since its inception, had a hands-on portion um, even though if it's not, you know, actual physical equipment hands-on, it's at least uh, emulated or scenario-based. Um, so, you know, and the, the knowledge part of it as well, the requirement really is to understand the concepts. And the, the fact of the matter is, even with all the changes we've seen over the past 20 or 30 years of new technologies and the move to voice over IP and, you know, anything as a networkable service, that basic understanding, especially you know, of basic data flow is critical, and probably the CCNA gives you that better than any of the other certs. Um, you know, before the CCNA, there's the, the CompTIA Network Plus, which is also an excellent starting point, although less hands-on, more theoretical. And then beyond that, there are, uh, Cisco has its own range of specialties, but I would say then it depends on what vendor you're more likely to work with. You know, um, getting, a firm grasp of the command line or interface configuration for, again, whether it's command line or a graphical user interface for really um, doing configurations as well as troubleshooting is probably your next step up is trying to be more product specific at that point, you know, after you have the basic understanding. Um, yeah. How, um, how strongly weighted do you feel that, uh, that, that certs are in the interview process? Do you think, hands-on experience or certs are sort of more heavily weighted by uh, employers or interviewers these days? Um, can you sort of get through with without one or the other? I think that as you're moving positions or changing jobs, whether, you know, whether you're changing jobs or careers, the, the fact of the matter is that having a, a certification is a gateway to getting the interview in most cases. Uh, there are obviously, you know, and I still think this holds true, you know, the, the classic discussion of the best way to get a job is to have a friend who knows about a job, word of mouth. But, right. you know, the, the reality is even if you have a friend, you're still going to usually have to go through a 
a corporate process to get through the interview process. And if, uh, if you don't, you know, meet at least, you know, the minimal number of requirements, it's going to be harder to get that interview. Uh, that being said, you know, I think that, uh, you know, once you get to the interview, especially if you are, uh, if you are applying for a more senior job, that it is critical that you really can do the hands-on work or show that you can learn the hands-on aspect of that particular job because you know the concepts so well. So for example, my background has mostly been working with Cisco equipment. So if I was applying for a job where they had Juniper equipment, which uses a different command line for configuration, there'd be a learning curve. That being said, I know enough about it and I know the, the co which concepts apply across the board that I could probably demonstrate some skill there. So you have to have a little bit of both. Now, um, what is the sort of work culture like for the average network admin? I mean, we've, we've talked to incident responders who are sort of traveling from, you know, city to city and, and holding up in hotels and other people who are, you know, kind of on call around the clock. Um, is a network on admin sort of on the clock all the time or do you keep bankers hours? Do you have, uh, you know, a certain yeah. workflow through the week that, that changes or? Again, it's, it's, it's really dictated by the size of the organization. I know, uh, you know, usually as a network admin, especially the, like a larger office, um, you're going to be tied to your location and working relatively long hours. And, and again, it, it depends. Um, in traditional networking, I think you're, you're seeing a trend where, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, they might have tended to maybe have more staff and now there might be less staff because you know, of automation or the, the, the demand to reduce costs of, you know, what's traditionally a back office department, you know what I mean? So that um, in those situations, you tend to be on call an awful lot. Uh, although that can be, you know, balanced among team members, depending on the size of the organization. But yeah, you're, you're usually working a regular nine to five. And then if there's some project or if something's gone wrong, you're basically there till you fix it type of thing. And I, I imagine that you're probably sort of on site an awful lot because, you know, you have to be sort of, you know, there for the technical issues and so forth. There's not a lot of sort of work from home or anything like that or other than when you're on call and you have problem solving to do. Yeah, exactly. Again, it, it depends. There's in more stable architectures, there might be a little bit more opportunity for work from home as long as you can respond within X number, of, you know, within an hour or two or something like that mm -hmm. versus, uh, you know, and then there are some network admin type jobs that are, as I said, like in managed services, you might be traveling all the time, you know, but effectively you're a network admin for hire with those types of consulting jobs, you know, where um, you might be at one location today and, you know, another city tomorrow, depending on the size of the organization you're working for, but all of the work is admin and troubleshooting related, you know. Are network admins kind of self-directed or what, what, what would be like the next level up that where you would sort of be taking sort of direction from, or are you really sort of, uh, sort of working from the top down? I think admins tend to be pretty self-directed, you know, that, uh, they tend to be given requirements to be met or, you know, needs that have to be met and they have to figure out how to make that happen. You know, whether it's, we need, you know, X amount of connectivity, we need to support voice or IP. There's some new service. We're doing video streaming, what do we need to make that happen? And again, you know, that's where you get crossover admin versus engineer, right. depending upon titles. But yeah, there's, they tend to be very self-directed at, at that level where 
they might, you know, again, like I said before, as you move into network admin, you're going to do some triage. You're going to pass some tasks along to other people. Uh, you're going to have to figure out what needs to get done in which order. Are you in charge of things like directing budgets or, or sort of new acquisitions of, you know, tech and things like that? Potentially, yeah. And that's, again, where the communication comes into play. The, the more you get into the, the budgeting process, the more you need to be able to communicate the needs in a way that, you know, other departments and other uh, executives will understand, you know. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the common mistakes that people make on the way to becoming network admins? I mean, uh, you could, you know, focus, you know, too much on getting, you know, racking up a bunch of certs or maybe, you know, you're not sort of like learning certain skills. But what, what is a common thing that you see that people do wrong in trying to sort of climb the ladder? So, well, in terms of like uh, everyday type of stuff, you know, um, not understanding the default settings for the equipment that you're working with and, you know, tweaks and changes that need to be made. Um, I think another big one is, uh, you know, not documenting things when you fix them. Chances are that any problem you have on a regular basis is a problem you're going to confront again later on. And uh, I've run into this before. You know, when I first started in uh, IT and networking, it was solve the problem, move to the next problem, solve the problem, move to the next problem. Um, and now I have more of a solve the problem, write down what I did because the next time I have it, I want to be able to refer to my notes so that I can solve it much more quickly rather than having to dig around, you know. Uh, and then I'd say another is the, the planning aspect of it. So within, not so much within a career path, although to a certain degree there, but, you know, in the job role, again, moving to being proactive rather than reactive so that you can administer you know, in a synchronized fashion, basically. Okay, uh, could you, that, that, that is interesting. Can you talk a little more about sort of the uh, sort of problem-solving flowchart? Like you said before, it was you would solve a problem and you'd move on, but there's a lot more emphasis on sort of documenting all the problem-solving. So sort of talk a little bit about the um, sort of overall, like, I guess the health of your network. You're, you know, you're you're looking at all these sort of like past mistakes and like what are you – are you like reviewing them just independently or when another thing breaks down, you're sort of going back to your notes or um, so, how, yeah, so how does, how does this skill set sort of build up? I guess. So the, the first thing is that at, at, I would say, oh, well, high 70%, 80% of jobs, you know, when you come into a network, unless you're building a network from scratch, the chances are that the documentation you're going to be given doesn't match how things are actually wired, set up, put together, you know? Mm-hmm. So that uh, as you start working with your network, you want to update whatever existing network diagrams you have. So that's the first part of it. The next part in terms of troubleshooting. So if a problem occurs there, you know, again, a lot of times you can solve the problem, but it may be difficult to identify the root cause, you know, mm-hmm. and then you have another related problem and you solely either, you know, you keep your notes to say, right, this is how I fixed it. But then eventually you can kind of build the framework. Of, oh, now I understand what's going wrong, you know, so that, that something keeps happening or, you know, something that seems intermittent actually has a pattern. So keeping notes will help you identify, right, this happened X number of times in this time period or whenever, like whenever we had a lightning storm, this device would power off and, and power cycle and somehow the default config keeps getting reloaded or something along those lines, you know? Mm-hmm. So that sort of saves time and, and money and you're not sort of reinventing the wheel every single time something falls apart. Exactly, exactly. And then the other aspect is if you're working with a team, 
making sure those solutions get disseminated so that no one else is, you know, reinventing the yeah. wheel. You're not cleaning up their mistakes as well. Exactly. So, um, again, uh, a lot of our viewers who have been watching these uh, videos so far have said that they are, you know, just looking in to sort of see, you know, a career path that seems very long way away from whatever it is they're doing, whether they're just, you know, in a call center, or like you say, in a mail room, or, you know, some other sort of thing. But um, so I guess one question I always like to ask is, uh, what is one thing in a person's current position that they could change today that would bring them one step closer to becoming a network admin? Is there like, uh, you know, a task that you could request from your boss, I want to start doing more of this or whatever that would sort of give you that that skill to sort of give you a leg up? So I would say the, the first thing is to start, uh, you know, if it's not your main field, if you're not in sort of the networking field at all, is to start tinkering, tinkering with your personal network equipment at home. Most people have at least a home router, wireless network, et cetera. You need to start looking at that stuff, install some of the software that you could use to examine network data flow and, and really start asking the, like, how is this working questions, you know? Because even though the complexity level is much greater in a corporate environment, your personal home device is a, a router switch wireless access point. So it does give you at least the ability to start looking at how's this stuff actually run and, you know, how can I tweak it if I needed to, to get this performance or that performance? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's probably the first part. And then if you're in the field and you're trying to move forward, it's, I think, being proactive and, and, you know, working with whoever is the next step up to, to showcase that you're ready for either more responsibility or you're giving feedback that helps them them be proactive, the type of thing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, is the other, if, at least within your organization. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think if you're trying to move between organizations, frankly, getting a certification is probably the first step. Like I said before, you, you, it's almost always the, how you get your foot in the door for getting a new job that, where, especially if you're going between industries where you're, it might be hard for you to define how your job skills apply to their infrastructure. Now, jumping back a little bit, like you said, if you're, if you're at home and you want to sort of be tinkering with your home device, I imagine there's a lot of sort of free sort of online resources, you know, YouTube and whatnot. Is there any, are there any sort of like hazards of, you know, sort of learning uh, sort of learning by doing or learning by, you know, sort of free tutorials and things like that? that no, I think there are a number of pretty, pretty good free tutorials. I mean, there's a, a number of fairly terrible spoofed ones that are somewhat obvious. Like there's some classic networking ones where, you know, people wrap a wire around a wire and say it gives them more bandwidth or something like that. But <laughs> right. um, for the most part, there's a number of excellent resources, both in terms of how-to videos as well as uh, documentation. I mean, most vendors provide their documentation free on the internet, and you can start researching about what are these options, what are these settings. There's also, I think probably one of the biggest things in terms of learning the next level is if you don't have access to the physical equipment that you want to learn about, um, eBay is a great source for used equipment. I used to keep a rack of Cisco equipment at home just for, for labs. But nowadays, you can virtualize almost all, all of that yes, through yes. Um, tools like GNS3. And I know actually InfoSec Institute has a number of GNS3 uh, blogs on their site. Uh, there's Cisco's VIRL product, which requires a little more um, admin background to set up. 
but is a great virtualization tool. And I know lots of uh, network admins that, you know, they'll often have a virtualized environment that duplicates their actual corporate network so they can do what if scenarios that way before they do implementations, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's probably one of the, the biggest things is you really want to start accessing those resources so you can, you know, if you're, if you're more towards the theoretical side, you develop the hands-on side, you know, right. um, you can, because at the end of the day, the certs help, but you need to really be able to demonstrate, yeah, I, I know how to make this operate, you know, and, and I can at least troubleshoot by finding out what is the config, what are the settings. And I suppose it's probably a lot safer if you're, you know, fiddling with your home network. And if it breaks, it's not as big of a deal as if you're testing out your, <laughs> exactly. your, work, your work network and so forth. Exactly. And that's the other benefit of using some of the virtualization tools is, you know, if your virtual network goes down, generally you're still okay. Yeah, you can go really wild if you want and, and experiment and so forth. Exactly. Um, so are there any sort of new technologies or skill requirements that are sort of coming up in the networking field that people should be aware of? Well, I think probably one of the big ones is the, along with the move to virtualization, we have the move to virtualized networks. So that's probably one of the biggest areas is okay. virtual network management. Uh, other areas are software-defined networking is, is probably a big area where uh, the move to, rather than you know, really defining the equipment by its physical type, um, you'll have a effectively a, a you know, a device that has multiple networking ports, and then it can be a router or a switch or a firewall or an IPS, but that's all managed centrally by a controller. So learning about how software-defined networking operates is a big part of it. And then obviously interacting with different cloud services and some of the aspects of wide area networking where it used to be the majority of resources would either be you know, local to your location, maybe in a different uh VLAN or LAN off of another router, um, or at least a corporate data center, now chances are more and more you'll see something hosted in the cloud and you have to deal with how do we provide dedicated bandwidth, how do we assess our needs, how do we do security and interact with our cloud vendor to do those things. Mm-hmm. Is that? Do you think that's going to be sort of across the board in the years to come, Is that, or, or is that still sort of a, a niche thing at this point? No, I think going it's going to be across the board that more and more, more and more, uh, more and more services are definitely hosted in the cloud. And uh, even internally hosted stuff is more likely to be virtualized, you know, so you have both those aspects. And then the ability to purchase the functionality of router, firewall, antivirus, any of the networking defensive tools through a cloud provider by having your internet and WAN networking routed through that provider, you know, so you're, you don't, you're not troubleshooting the physical equipment, you're troubleshooting the configurations. All right. Well, this gives us a lot to uh, think about for people who are considering um, networking, uh, network admin uh, uh, jobs. Uh, do you have any final tips or encouragement for, for our listeners? Uh, yeah. I mean, one of the things is there's still a huge demand for these skills and most businesses, while they may be staffed up, a lot of time people, are still following the, like, I, I know how to do this because of the checklist, you know, and, and so there's still a high demand for people who can move beyond that basic checklist to help provide solutions, not just quick fixes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that sounds great. Well, thank you very much, uh, Eli uh, Papatestas. Thank you again for all of your insights today. Uh, for our viewers and listeners, i uh, just like to remind you to check out our YouTube page for all the other video interview series 
uh, security awareness topics, uh, tool demonstrations, and lots more. Also, several of these episodes will be uh, in audio form. If you prefer listening to podcasts, uh, please check out CyberSpeak with InfoSec Institute, which I believe is in process now and will be on the site very soon. Uh, also, as uh, Eli pointed out, the Intense School resources page, that's resources.intenseschool.com, has a generous supply of GNS3 uh, routing um, tutorials that you may uh, check out for free. Uh, they include their own config files and so forth. And if you'd like to read more uh, networking uh, information, uh, again, resources.intentschool.com and also resources.infosecinstitute.com for the security side of things. So once again, thank you very much, Eli, for being here today. And uh, thank you all for watching. We will see you again next week.